0: To listeners of Talk With Me, this is exciting for me. It's kind of a new thing, it seems like, because it's been a while since I've recorded a new show. As I describe what I do is at the intersection of art and mental health. I've been very far in the mental health side for a while, um, just back from the National Conference on Suicide Prevention and Suicide Bereavement, which shouldn't surprise you, includes many people who use poetry as one of the ways that they communicate with other people. Um, I love hearing those stories. I love hearing the poetry, but I love hearing people say to me, oh, yes, I've started performing some of my poetry too. And these are some of the things that people have said to me Um, in terms of using poetry as a way to connect as a way to communicate understanding and belonging and in terms of really having a good life. Belonging is a huge part of that, and so it's exciting to me, again, to to have that opportunity to to work with people who are open about things, and they're doing it through their art, and other people are benefiting, and friendships are formed, and lots of goodness happens, so this is exciting for me. I get to be spending this hour with our listeners and with a poet guest, and I was doing a little reflecting on sort of how the original connection came with this person. And so before I go into a long story, I'm just going to welcome my guest, who is Scott Thomas Outlaw. Hey, Scott, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing very well this morning, Marsha. And I appreciate you having me back on. Looking forward to yeah, it.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. So much to talk about. You know, you have, you are writing and you are being published and you are doing these collaborative things with Southern Collective Experience and more. So, so much going on. So I'm excited to hear what you're gonna share with us. And to start, for those people who who aren't familiar yet with you, what's a little bit of background you'd like them to know?
1: Okay, basically, I've been writing for the last 20 years, thereabouts. Uh, Started as a therapeutic process. Sort of getting to the point of what you were talking about just a moment ago, expressing those thoughts and connecting through poetry or any other art for that matter. Mm -hmm. And so through the years, I've used it in that way, developing the craft. And then around three years ago is when I actively started seeking publishing. And so it's been. Pretty wild ride, actually, Uh, so far. A lot of fun. Connect with a lot of great people.
2: Uh
1: Editors and writers and different journals. Uh, Got my start at a venue called Dissident Voice, which is a social justice, political, cultural uh, newsletter. And they have a Sunday poetry page that... Angie Tibbs, the editor there, runs. So that was really where I broke in with the poetry and I've remained a weekly contributor to the Sunday page there. Um, So it'll be three years coming up in June, I believe. And then everything else sort of branched out from there. Started seeking a lot of other venues to try and get my work in front of people's eyes and uh, put out a few books since then. And this last year started editing uh, at a few different journals as well. And as you mentioned, the Southern Collective Experience, have a lot of great times with the folks there Uh and the events that we put on. And I also run my own website called Seventeen Numa, where I keep updates on all my publications and any other fun stuff that's going on?
2: yeah. and And
0: I love because you told me this before that the number seventeen is an important number in your life.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. We did talk about that. Uh, my old baseball number. As sort of the uh, the previous life,
2: <laughs>
1: uh-huh. I'm in my second incarnation now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I, it's funny how, for me, baseball will come up with has come up with a variety of poets. You know their passion for for baseball, the the love that they had from playing at whatever points in their life and things like that. Uh, the the person who is uh, our most recent poet laureate of Kansas. Eric McHenry has this wonderful poem about a very not known uh, baseball player who hit the what probably the longest um, hit that's been documented, you know, and and so he has this beautiful poem and and it's like, oh, this is so much fun because all these things come together in different ways.
1: Yeah, that's wonderful. But Take the uh, I think it might come from we started off as athletes wanting to be in the major leagues and then that hopeless dream died. And so we became poets, which is even the harder thing to accomplish <laughs> <laughs> double down and uh, try something <laughs> <even more. laughs>
0: although becoming a poet is, is obviously something that you're doing very well. I had to laugh when I was looking at 17 Numa because there was a, a quote in a blog that I was reading. Um, it's it's part of one of your April blogs and it's it says, in the moment, in the moment you stop taking everything so seriously, you realize just how truly important everything really is. And I was reading this and and the whole blog, and then I noticed the date of publication was April first. <laughs> this creates a whole level of meaning.
1: <laughs> wow. I don't even think I realized that when I posted that. <laughs>
0: It's a beautiful blog. It's a beautiful blog. It's like a friend of mine who's a clinical social worker, so a mental health type of social worker too. Um, he he got his original license on April Fool's Day as well. <laughs> Bill, I don't know if I was coming into your office as a client, maybe, I might see April first and kind of wonder. <laughs> yeah.
1: You see that document hanging on the wall and wonder if you need to do a Is 180. A <laughs> Yes. You know it'll make for an interesting but, conversation
2: at least yeah
0: but in in the case of your blog it was really about april beginning and and that was that was the point in terms of the date as opposed to april Fool's day <laughs> <laughs> you know and and i gosh and again looking at at your posts on on uh, 17 numa and also on your facebook your work is also in translation and that is quite impressive, I think. And I wonder just if you'd say a little bit about that part because I've talked to some poets who who write in, um, for example, Jeanette Carrasa writes in Spanish, her first language. Mark Statman is known in part for the translations that he does of Spanish and related language poetry um, into english and there's there's a lot involved with translation of written art in terms of how it becomes still an expression of what that writer originally was creating you know and so i'm just i obviously i'm interested in that tell me tell me tell our listeners a little bit about that working with your poetry being
1: translated that's something that um I consider to certainly be very cool and feel honored whenever it happens. Um uh, lately, let's see. My good friend uh Don Biakis, who lives in Paris, France right now, but was originally born in Cape Town, South Africa. So he grew up there during the apartheid um a few decades ago and I've interviewed him actually at Seventeen Numa. Uh, there's a really in-depth conversation we had that I'd recommend people checking out. It goes back Will into Can We say his, his name again
0: code. so uh, people can find it.
1: It's Don Biekes, uh, D-O-N B-E-U-K-E-S. Thanks. And so he recently translated a couple of my poems, uh, "Detoxification," which is a piece that is in my most recent book happy hour hallelujah and another piece called transcending definitions he translated them into the language of africans um and then even cooler than that he recited them to his sound cloud page so and he has a wonderful reading voice mm-hmm. he's us he's a singer and a member of his choir there in france so listened to those several times. It's, it's mm-hmm. a very surreal experience hearing one's work mm-hmm. in another language. Yeah. And so that's something that happened recently. And then Subade Sayednia. and I apologize if I'm saying her name wrong, because the only communication we've had is through Facebook and social media, so I've never heard it pronounced. I hope I'm doing it justice. (laughs) Uh, She is putting out an anthology, a bilingual anthology called Where Are You From? where she took some shorter poems from, I think, 50 people and from all around the world and translated them into Persian, uh, Farsi Persian. And that'll be out sometime this month, I believe. So I'm looking forward to. Seen poetry in that language too, uh-huh.
0: and so with those two projects, did did the person, the poet who was doing the translation, talk to, sort of talk you through? Did you did you sort of do that together? Because one of one of the things that that is unaware of is a particular challenge, just from my own little introduction to a couple of other languages, is there. There are different meanings. I don't know. It's it's not like doing rote translation in terms of translating written art into another language. It has to be done in a way that really captures the meaning, which which isn't just from the literal this word means this in this language kind of thing. You know, you
1: know, I mean can you can, can insight
0: into that? What that was?
1: I understand what you're saying, because especially with poetry, when there's different connotations to words and they might be trying to use two different contexts at the same time. And so Mm -hmm. I can imagine that for the translator, that is the most difficult part of the process is coming up with that correct energy. It's Mm -hmm. um, not even the word itself, but the the feeling behind it. Mm-hmm. And I personally didn't have any say in it um, mm-hmm. with those translations, because with Don, I completely trust him um, mm-hmm. being a good friend. And so I figured he would nail it. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the Farsi, they were so busy mm-hmm. that um, there wasn't much good back and forth uh, between the editor and the, the poets in that either. Okay. But so, um, sort of just leaving it to them and trusting that it'll all go wonderfully.
0: Uh huh. Put it out into the universe, and there you go.
1: Absolutely. <laughs>
0: That's great. So, what are some of the kind of pet projects that you have going on right now? Just what what are what are some of the things that? I, and I know. There's a certain extent, well, it was all exciting, you know, but are there some certain things that you wanted to make sure to to highlight just to give to give us a chance to know some of the things to look for, um, some of the things just about you, because this is something I'm doing right now that is so cool to me, and I'm eager to share it, so I- I'm opening up that conversation
1: for you to direct. Okay, a little open-ended pathway here. I'll see where I can take it. Um, I think for me, the last year or so, since the last time that we spoke, I've been focusing more on trying to get out and perform at more events. So that's mm-hmm. really become the part of my craft that I'm working the most at developing and gaining that confidence in front of the mm-hmm. crowd on stage. Mm-hmm. And so... There's a few events. Actually, we just finished one up with the Southern Collective Experience this past Saturday. We do an event called Collective Sessions mm-hmm. uh, bimonthly at this cool little intimate venue called Good Acting Studio, and it's in Marietta, Georgia. And so we had our second event there, like I said, this past Saturday and had a really good turnout. We do it where several members from the SCE will perform our work. And then we also have the opportunity to have an open mic for anyone else that would like to come and perform. Mm-hmm. So it's a very eclectic uh, group of speakers. And the great thing is, it's so far, everyone has really been on point, And it's just been a pleasure to listen to everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. People from MFA programs all the way down to street level rappers, almost (laughs) like so. The Uh juxtaposition is good, and then I like to have some music in there as well. uh, Some group members that are in bands, so it keeps a nice balance to the whole evening. So that went really well, Um, enjoyed that, and then there's Another event that we do on a monthly basis called Visions of Verse. We do that one, in the Pickens County Library up in Jasper, Georgia, and that'll be coming up here in the next couple of weeks. So I'm looking forward to that one. And then there's a few other readings that around the Atlanta area that I'm starting to, to discover. So that's one thing that I have really been into lately. Mm-hmm. Um, another, I guess,
0: what, one. well, I just wanted to prompt you for people who don't really know about the Southern Collective experience. How do you describe that to people?
1: Basically, we are a group of all different sorts of artists. We have poets, we have novelists, we have photographers, visual artists, radio hosts, um, just anything and everything really under the banner but with a common purpose of spreading good art basically um Mm -hmm. and being a support supportive group for each other we all have our individual goals and projects that we work on but then we also have this common uniting focus where we come together and put on these events um we also put out our quarterly journal called the Blue Mountain Review, which the new spring issue will be coming out in about a week or so. Uh, we're just tying up all the loose ends on that. Uh, I'm a contributing editor there I like to interview people. And then we have another journal called Walking is Still Honest Press where I'm the poetry editor. and publish on a weekly basis there and also do a interview series. Um, Some folks that have been on your show before, actually I've interviewed there, Matt Borzen and uh, Damien Rucci. Yeah. Um, So that's fun. And it's just, uh, we also put on outings uh, here and there. Did one at a for a Atlanta women's group not too long ago. Um, that was fun. They were having their brunch, and so uh, Cliff Brooks and I went there and read some poetry in the afternoon, and just different events like that. And we're all pretty much have books coming out at some point soon. And it's just a really good community. Uh huh. More If people want to find out more about it, they can go to southerncollectiveexperience.com. That's our main site. We also have a a YouTube page where clips from various performances are posted. Um, Archive of our radio show that we do through NPR, WUTC out of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, Our most recent episode of that is called Dante's Old South. Just aired this past Sunday, so the archive should be on our YouTube channel in the not too distant future. Cool. And that's a that's a fun thing to do too. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and then at my my own site, Seventeen Numa, I talk about the group fairly regularly, so there's information there as well.
0: So, is is most of your not not Southern Collective experience, but yours personally, is most of your ex, um, performing at this point in Georgia, or are you are you traveling around at this point?
1: Uh, mostly in Georgia right now. There's I've been invited to do a workshop over in India, uh, Silchar, India. That I'm trying to figure out the scheduling and finances of at this point. So. Mm-hmm. Hopefully in the not too distant future, I'll be able to work that out. And then, That's exciting. Yeah. It's a uh, little overwhelming to think <laughs> about, but also very exciting and looking forward to it. Um, I was hoping to get out there earlier this year, but the logistics just didn't quite work out. There was a festival I'd been invited to. So the invitation got pushed back, and this time I'm looking to seal the deal. (laughs) Great. I also possibly might be going over to London at some point in the not-too-distant future with a fellow poet named Heath Brocker, who is an editor for the magazine called Into the Void. Uh, along with Philip Elliott and they're going to be doing a launch party of some sort over in England. I believe it is. So maybe we'll be able to attend that as well and do a reading there, which would be pretty exciting. That is very exciting. And then just maybe when the next book comes out, start trying to put together a tour through the United States -hmm. Probably focus a little more locally as as well. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, just anywhere and everywhere, I'm I'm open to.
2: Uh huh.
0: You refer to that next book. Do you have something that is in progress right now?
1: Yeah. um, Mm -hmm. Next book is going to be called Poison in Paradise, and it originally started off as a chapbook that i submitted recently to a new imprint that's opening up called alien buddha press and it was material mostly from 2014 and 2015 a little from 2016 and they asked me to expand it and so at that point i sort of recontextualized the entire project and Turned it into a full-length collection
2: mm-hmm.
1: in a couple different parts because that was some darker material in that original chapbook. So I wanted to bring it back more in line with where my thinking has been for the last year or two. Mm-hmm. And so I turned that into part one, and then part two was going to be sort of a redemptive phase and got a lot of newer work in there. So the manuscript is put together, and we're the publishers and editors and I working on the visual aspects at this point, getting some Mm -hmm. photography in there, and maybe a few paintings, and just all the formatting details at this point. So hopefully sometime later this year, uh, that will be coming out.
0: You, You dropped the comment about photography and paintings,
1: and whose work are those? Uh, the publishers, Red Fox and J Minor, mm-hmm. they're both really good photographers. So okay. I think some of their work is going to be in there. That's exciting too. Yeah, I'm really, uh, really looking forward to it. Uh-huh. Still need to put the final touches on a cover as well, so that'll be uh-huh. always sort of trying to encapsulate the the book in one image. Is a big part of things.
2: Uh-huh.
0: So you started from with that book with some things you'd written a couple of years ago and I and I find that that as something really interesting to to look at work and experiencing it in whatever the current time is often there are many new layers of meaning.
1: Yeah, you can find things that maybe your subconscious was writing about at the time that were trying to be processed and looking back on them from a further distance. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe you see things that you weren't even aware of at uh-huh. the time. Uh-huh. Um, that's one aspect of it. And then the thing about writing or putting out a book of old older material, which I guess two years isn't necessarily that old but i write so much all the time that (laughs) it feels like Ah. something a couple weeks ago is old at this point sometimes but it is fun to get back in that mindset and the challenge is to not change it too much try to Mm -hmm. keep the original intent Mm -hmm. because for me with poetry i look at it I look at it in different ways, but mostly I look at it as little snapshots in time. And so just capturing the essence and the energy of what I was feeling in that moment or what I was trying to describe at that time. So then going back and editing too much sort of annihilates that. And that's not what I'm looking to do. Mm -hmm. Trying to keep that original feel as much as possible. Mm -mm. And then there's other times where you can just shred a piece and <laughs> <laughs> build it back up. So I guess yeah. if you're not contradicting yourself, you're not trying hard enough.
0: Yeah. And, and the power, as you described it, the poetry is little snapshots in time. It, it brought me back to a conversation with a poet, Julie Unruh, who experienced a very traumatic car crash and brain injury and and she has said that literally her poems and other writing and photograph and photographs are her memory you know that that's something that's very powerful for her because she doesn't have there's a lot that she lost and and some that she doesn't retain in the same way since the car crash and so that speaks to a whole other level of power of of The words that actually
1: get written. Yeah, and capturing this. That's amazing to think about.
0: Yeah, yeah. And we're talking so much about your writing. I want to make sure that we give people a taste of it. So I wonder if now might be a good time.
1: Okay, sure. Um, I'll start off with something from uh, my most recent full-length collection. It's called Happy Hour Hallelujah. And it was published through CTU Publishing, which is out of California, run by Raja Williams. And this first piece is one we actually talked about earlier. It's that Don Viacas had translated. It's called Detoxification. And this was nominated for the Pushcart Prize last year. So Detoxification. Chaos enters the spaces of stagnation, not to obliterate, but to break down what is not working so the inherent pattern of order can emerge in a new light and the holy path of inward peace can once again be seen clearly. The choice to destroy is not necessarily negative, but sometimes absolutely necessary as a way to tear apart at a dilapidated structure so a more solid foundation can be established upon which to build a temple of health, happiness, and love. Life is not always easy, but the trials and tribulations are inherent in the process of progression as a way to push evolution forward. And the challenges that naturally arise are a godsend of grace presented to teach the lesson that we are creatures of adaptation and survival
0: very true very true i want to leave people with the that poem to be reflecting on and we're going to take a short break here from a couple of the lawrence kansas businesses that sponsor LawrenceHits.com, and then i promise we will be back with more talk with me with scott thomas outlar and there'll be more than another poem that's for sure so we'll be right back thanks welcome back to more talk with me this is marsha epstein and my guest is scott thomas outlaw and i must add that our producer is daniel smith and so we thank daniel for making it possible for people to hear the show because i'm not the one who does that part so thank you daniel and scott you just shared that lovely poem detoxification and you got people thinking about things in their life in so many different ways and, and the need to not resist change. That, you know, when I think about it from my perspective, one of the things that I often say to people is, honor where you came from, how you did things, and you still have the opportunity to move forward in new ways. You know, it's not about blaming yourself, criticizing yourself, shaming yourself, because there are these things it's it's about moving forward and knowing that we we are informed and learned and the people we are is rooted in all of those things all of those challenges and opportunities and good luck and bad luck and all of that so so the the concept of detoxification and major change to me is really positive and and i always like to remind people of
1: that well i think that was beautifully said uh, <laughs> I think the uh, the dedication of the book is to constant, continual, progressive evolution and as individuals and as a species. And I think part of that is being able to make mistakes and being at peace with that, mm-hmm. not dwelling on failures, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, but building upon them. And constantly seeking toward how to improve how to get better in my own life at least that's what I look at things how can I get to a higher level of mental physical emotional and spiritual peace and higher levels of those part of that is digging through the shadows Mm -hmm. subconscious and using those as you just mentioned in a positive aspect instead of getting stuck in the mire of dwelling on what might have been or could have been or or was, and was not enjoyable at the time, but mm-hmm. once shining light on those shadows, uh, can bring a more full, uh, experience into mm-hmm. life. So did
0: you think about stuff like this when you were a baseball player too? <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, maybe that's why it didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> my mind has been uh, running 24-7 my whole life, I think. Uh-huh. Um, and not always did I have a grasp on it. I think maybe it ran around in circles a lot in the past.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now I think I, with the writing, I can focus it uh, with more intention. Or more positive goals, where I have, for the most part, more control of it rather than it being the hamster wheel that controls me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was a pretty quiet person through my adolescence and teen years, um, with the existential dread of the universe running through my mind and heart. Uh huh. Um, I say that jokingly. Um, It wasn't as much fun back then. Right. But to the point that we were just talking about it, I smile at it now because Uh I I love where it's taken me in life. And if I hadn't gone through such experiences in the past, then I wouldn't be who I am now. Exactly. So I'm thankful. Uh, I think that's a big part of it too, is learning to be thankful. Or those struggles because and those gauntlets that have to be run early on, because they end up leading to new paths that would have never been discovered otherwise.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that doesn't have to mean that we are glad that we went through
1: every single one of those things, but <laughs> yeah, that's true. Some of them some of them it is okay to just put put in a file cabinet and throw away the key and forget about it. <laughs>
0: or or to to acknowledge i guess for me it's i'm not a person who believes that everything happens for a reason and and that that it doesn't make sense to me because i know and hear too many stories of terrible things that happen to people and i don't think there's some people who deserve that and some people who don't i think sometimes we have bad luck and sometimes we have a lot of bad luck and still those experiences inform us those they they become ways for us to become more compassionate you know to get back to that quote from your April first you know to to realize how truly important everything is and how that's different from just taking everything seriously you know there there they're ways that we grow and gain perspective. And we do that in a different way, I think, when we've had some harsh experiences in our life than for somebody who's, whose luck has been pretty consistently good. And so truly, they don't understand a lot of things that other people experience.
1: Just- I think there's <laughs> a lot of truth to that, for sure. And what you said about not everything happens for a reason. Uh, I, I agree with that too. It's more, we can give reason our own reasons right. to why we think those things happened, and we can create almost our own philosophy or perspective around them. And so take those not so nice experiences and contextualize them in a way that mm-hmm. sort of plants new seeds in our consciousness.
2: Yeah.
0: And and truly at the, the conference, the national conference, I was just at one of the things that we were talking about was the importance of making meaning of our experiences. You know, that in terms of not being just burdened with hard things that happened with us, but actually when we transform them by making meaning of them, then we're going forward in a way that we're not weighed down you know yeah those things are part of us but but we aren't weighed down in the same way so i, I love i love the way that your poetry speaks to that and so i want to invite you again
1: to share another poem okay um i think i'll do some newer material and this is a piece it's actually in the current issue of uh, bilingual magazine that's in Hindi and English uh, called Setu magazine and I'm the spotlighted author this month. This is one of the poems from there that will also be in the upcoming uh, book. This is called Numbers Game. Let's stay awake through all hours of the night here with the pillows and talk about heavy subjects such as whether or not soulmates actually exist. Or let's get sloppy drunk to receive the revelation that the sky is set to fall in 11 hours. Age is just a number, it's true, until it kills you. Platitudes and empty promises are not one and the same. I've consumed them both in triple doses. One keeps me high as a kite most of the time, and the other always leaves me in the lurch. Prophecies and hand me downs predict a righteous future. I saw you up there screaming for your silver. But even if you collect a pile of jewels and gold, you'll still be starving and cold by the time you taste your grave. Numbers game.
0: So tell us a little bit about that. Because I'm interested both in that poem and also in the fact that this is chosen. For the translation,
1: so so I, I want to know more about this. And I should have clarified a little bit because it's a bilingual magazine, and mm-hmm. part of it is published in Hindi and part in English. So uh-huh. my poems aren't actually translated. Okay, um, it's just a mixed magazine. So it's a really cool concept. Uh, Sunil Shaman and uh-huh. Anna put it out. Uh-huh. Um, but the poem itself, a lot of what I've been writing recently, I go up to the park every day. Just about get out and walk and clear my head. And then Mm I'm usually right up there. And I think this one's just instead of being a straight narrative, it takes a little bit of uh, twists and turns throughout. Just little philosophical aphorisms here and there, I guess. Um, But that's what I've been doing with a lot of my work lately the opening question talk about whether or not soulmates actually exist. I think is just something that had been on my heart recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the answer is yes. <laughs> um, and then just that, the ending of what's really important in this life. Is it the baubles and the trinkets and the gadgets, and the technology that we amass? or is it the feelings of love and deep admiration for life itself that are what truly make us who we are and give us the ultimate experience? hmm And that's, of course, I'm not the first one to broach such, such a subject, but I guess that's my little spin on that question.
0: hmm Well, and I think, you know, as you say that, from my perspective, the world changed with the November 8th election and, and the sense of what values are being espoused from the, the leadership of this country and espoused both by words and also by what is known about this person's way of living. You know, it's like we need those reminders about, you know, what, what is important. Is it important to have the money to have a gold toilet or is it <laughs> important to be kind to people, for example?
1: <laughs> exactly. I think that cuts right to the quick. <laughs>
2: <laughs> these are so, bizarre
0: times. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's,
1: yeah. The world is pretty much in chaos. And I think that's where I write a lot of, poems or dissonant voice on those sorts of subjects. So I'm Uh still connected with them. And then getting back to that blog post you had mentioned earlier, the detachment, I think I've learned to have a certain level of detachment in my life just to keep my own sanity, (laughs) basically. Uh Uh Um, It almost taking things, everything with a grain of salt or two or three grains of salt if necessary to, especially nowadays. Um, And just focusing on my close relationships and how I interact with other people on a day-to-day basis, Mm -hmm. because that's really what it boils down to. The only thing that I can do, I can put out my poetry and maybe it'll touch someone here or there or short stories or whatever the case may be. And, Maybe that has some minor change or a shift of consciousness in the greater field of the collective. But really, it boils down to how you treat people. Yes. And so even if my work is provocative, tackling some of those icky subjects, um, which is done purposefully, because through the writing, I want to sort of stir things up mm-hmm. or poke through people's shielding or the walls and defenses they have up. But when it comes to how I actually choose to live my life, I want to exude peace and love. Yes. As, you know, as cliche as that sounds, it's it's cliche for a reason. Because... It's the simple things that matter most.
0: And, and you know, when you say that, the, the kind of poking people and then also wanting to live through peace and love, those aren't contradictory. I mean, we need sometimes to be awakened. You know, sometimes somebody has to poke us or shake us a little bit so we can realize something that we haven't been paying attention to. And that is a gift of love,
1: I think. Uh, Very true. Uh, It's so easy to get into our ruts and our habits and our little patterns day to day, especially the nine to five type of uh, corporate system we have that sometimes it's hard to break out of that and Look at things from a different angle. So, if someone comes up and slaps you now and then. It's uh, <laughs> uh, not necessarily such a bad thing. I mean, I know in my own life, to be awakened sometimes, it takes a punch in the gut, so to speak. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, Just, it takes some it's contrast. So sometimes. Sorry. It takes some contrast sometimes. You know, yeah. Sometimes we don't realize until we see somebody doing something different than the way that we're used to doing it. It's like, oh, I didn't even realize I had this assumption or I had this pattern. You know, I walk down the street, I walk down the street, me personally, I'm, you know, walking down the street, I'm walking through a parking lot, I'm walking wherever I'm in a in a line to pay for a bottle of <laughs> ibuprofen, whatever it is, you know, and and I'm the person who tries to get people to look me in the eye and smile and we'll offer some conversation, you know, and, and to me, that's about acknowledging that we are all important human beings. And for some people, I realize it's annoying to them. (laughs) and it's not that i do it because it's annoying but it's it's what comes naturally to me and i hope they at least think about that you know i hope that the person in behind me in line who's who's saying derogatory things because the line's moving slowly hears me say to the person who's there gosh it seems like it's busy today and it must be hard because <laughs> some people are not being very nice to you huh yeah, exactly <laughs>
1: Plant that seed of compassion. <laughs> Cause the next time they're having a rough day and then someone's treating them that way, maybe it'll click.
2: And, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. But I, I love that idea of smiling to people and yes. or just giving them the head nod and acknowledging the presence of yes. another human being yes. sharing this space on earth. Yes. Uh, everyone's so locked into their gadgets and their program, what they have to do that day.
2: Yeah.
1: Because um, I'm, I'm similar. I, I like to smile at people when I'm at the park and
2: uh-huh.
0: um, you
1: know, do a little dance. <laughs> 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 Maybe that's going I, a little too far. Well, but I mean, there, to scare them off.
0: That, no, I think that's great. And there was a there was a meme I think I saw on Facebook that was, dance like no one's watching because they aren't. They're on their technology. <laughs> <laughs> very sad truth
1: (laughs) the only one watching is google from space (laughs) so i would i would love to hear more
0: of your poetry Uh, it's fun talking uh, but also i I love hearing
1: more of your poetry if you are willing sure Uh, i've got a couple more pieces here um This next one is also coming out in the next book, and it's going to be a limited edition broadside coming out through 48th Street Press um, in June as well. And it's called Midnight Wonder Slash Wonder. Head in the clouds, soul on the brink of salvation and or annihilation at any moment. The signs in the sky appear to point out our future in space. The signs in my mind seek to find the path home to source. But the signs on the street are marketed for entirely different ends, singing their songs about realtors who have erected new neighborhoods as far as the eye can see in this suburban wonderland. Call Alice, she might know the truth by now. Chopping down trees, chasing deer from their home. Come meet me at midnight, my friend. We'll stare straight into heaven's void together for I to know what it is to roam. I like that. That's a piece, basically the area where I'm living they're cutting down so many trees the past couple of years and it's chasing all the animals out of the woods. Uh So even in this neighborhood I live in where deer had never been seen before, Uh it's out on the front porch around midnight not too long ago and all of a sudden a deer comes trotting through the front yard and makes it to the pine island and just stood back and stared at me for a while and it was a very interesting and cool moment I think that's sort of the genesis of where that poem came from
0: and it's the wildlife issue is it's complicated because you know part of it is climate change part of it is animals trying to adapt you know a deer in an area where people drive cars a lot is not as safe as a deer in an area that's not as populated by people with Big metal (laughs) machine. Exactly. So it's like, yeah, they're beautiful, but oh, it's probably not so good for that critter's life, you know, depending on what the area is like. And that's it. So, so there is that that mixture of you know, it's beautiful, but it's also a little scary. I remember reading having a poem read about an armadillo, armadillos being uh, hit by cars and being on the sides of the highway. And I asked the poet where he was, you know, that he experienced this and he made reference to a certain part of Kansas. And I looked at him and it was like, I grew up in the Texas Panhandle and that's the only place I've ever seen armadillos. And I'm pretty sure they're not supposed to be in Kansas. And he's like, yeah, climate change, you know? And so we we really need to be aware of these things and do our parts. I'm just saying
1: <laughs> agreed yeah yeah oh, i have a uh, another one here if it's okay oh yes all right this one is called it doesn't matter where it only matters who let's hit the road and head west for a while or turn the compass due north and set sail for the great lakes let's wake up each morning slowly and talk about our dreams before conquering the day. Let's catch a plane to Egypt, land in the middle of nowhere, and start walking through the desert, guided by the siren called the Sphinx. Let's write a romance novel with our actions in real time, bringing all the words we haven't even imagined yet to life. Let's take a trip to the luscious jungle and set up shop in the trees, or catch a cruise to Italy and lounge in the shade by the sea. Let's sit and feast for five hours straight while I drink deeply from your lovely eyes, and then stroll through the park, hand in hand, chatting about this and that, until we've solved every subject under the sun. Let's burn so bright our hearts can't help but remain aflame forever. Let's laugh so much we begin to make music with our smiles together.
0: That is beautiful. It's beautiful. It's so touching and beautiful. And how recent is this poem? That
1: one is very recent. Um, Uh Written for my girlfriend, Mindy Jean. It's dedicated to her. She was just in town for the weekend. And had a wonderful, wonderful time. Yeah.
0: Because it truly is about who we're with
1: as you're saying you know i think i'm realizing that more than ever now at this point in my life yeah (laughs) makes life a whole lot more fun
2: yes
0: and you can find fun anywhere (laughs) exactly that's the cool part you know it's like it doesn't matter if we're some fancy place or not you know it's like we're together and we're we're really being
1: together and it's beautiful. Yeah, a walk in the park here is the same as a walk in the park uh, across the sea. Um,
0: well, and there really is beauty everywhere. That that is my experience. I, I live in Kansas and people are like, "Oh, Kansas flat, blah, blah, blah." It's like, "Well, one, it's not actually flat and two, there is so much beauty everywhere." You just need to open your eyes.
1: <laughs> yes. And your heart. Your heart, that helps too. But yeah. Yeah, to receive the the resonance. I mean, yes. just look at the sky. I'm yes. looking out my window right now. Yes. Blue sky, birds are chirping, some vibrant green everywhere. Some yes. Beautiful spring days. Yes. And so I say, I'm thankful.
2: Yes.
0: And to segue into, you know, you're writing your books and having people know how to find that, I wanna say one of the things that that you have mentioned each time you've mentioned your poetry has been the editor of the book, the the people, the journal that, that it was published in, those things that remind people that you also appreciate those people who's, who are getting your work out into the world. And that's a very important thing, too, is that we see ourselves in those connections, you know, that you, the writer, also appreciate that editor, that publisher, you know, and and you're letting people know that by making sure their names get out as well, which I think sometimes people forget that. (laughs) It's like, no, it's important to acknowledge everybody, you know. And, And I will say from a different perspective, one is, I believe in buying the books and I believe in buying the art that you can instead of buying the expensive coffee beverage, you know, even if it's a greeting card with a reproduction of the photograph, you know, whatever it is, to buy it and to buy it as locally as possible. When you go to readings, buy from that writer, for example, buy from an independent bookstore or small press. If you must buy on Amazon, because that's the only way, okay, I'll give you that. But most <laughs> of the time, there are other ways, and they they more directly nurture the art, the artists, and the people who are getting that out to you. So that's my PSA about <laughs> putting our values out there with where we spend our money.
1: <laughs> um, here, here, I second it. <laughs>
0: So before we end, remind people again about how they can find your work.
1: Okay. The main hub where I have links to all my publications and interviews I've done or conducted and reviews and links to the publisher sites where books can be bought directly from the publishers is at 17numa.wordpress.com. It can be found on Facebook I'm on Twitter at 17NUMA. And probably Facebook is the best place to find me. That seems to be where I network the most. So, you know, send me a friend request. I'll be happy to talk with anyone.
0: And it's um, easy because I'm guessing there's probably not another Scott Thomas Outlaw that they're going to get. Confused by when they try to find you
1: on yep. Facebook. Uh, I don't believe there is. So that's that's <laughs> a good thing.
0: And for people who are in Georgia, they they can find you live and in person at readings, at some Southern Collective experience events. There are lots of different ways. And so I hope that 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 continues to happen. I hope there'll be an opportunity for you to also be traveling a little bit around this country as well with people having the opportunity because there's nothing better than being in the room and having that poet, being able to see and hear them reading their own work to me, that's that adds a whole other dimension to it, and so the, those opportunities are great. And it's one of those things I encourage people, you know, when when you're traveling, that's one of those cool things to do. Check out are there readings going on where you are at the time you're there. You know, you may stumble onto something that you had no idea you would get to do, and even better if you're sharing it with somebody that is somebody special to you. That whole thing about it's who you're with. All those good things. So Scott, I Scott Thomas Outlaw, I'm saying the whole name again. Thank you so much for joining me today on Talk With Me.
1: Marcia, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: You are very welcome. And listeners, I know you enjoyed this and look for Scott online and buy those books. Thanks and goodbye.